Hello everyone, this is Pastor Jay Tyler from Holt Assembly of God. I want to thank you for joining me for Life in the Spirit. In just a moment, you'll be listening to a message that I recently shared with our church family at Holt Assembly of God. Today I want to talk to you about depression. In this message, I want to challenge you to allow the Holy Spirit the opportunity to bring health and transformation to your soul, especially in the area of emotions. I pray that you are challenged, blessed, and encouraged as you hear the Word of God shared in this message. So uh, today we're going to start a new series called Emotions. And uh, just a few weeks ago, if you think about this, uh, everything just was booming. The economy was booming. Everything was just hunky-dory. And, and now we're dealing with this pandemic. And uh, we have this economic crisis. And there's fear. And uh, it's in an environment like this, and what follows after an environment like this, that is really going to test our, our emotions, our, our mental well-being, our spiritual well-being. This is going to be a time of testing for the church and the gospel communicates this. It communicates to us salvation. It communicates to us healing. But it also communicates to us transformation. And uh, Jesus wants to bring healing, not only to our bodies, bring transformation into our lives. And that is body, soul, spirit. When you look at the soul, that means our mind, our will, and our emotions. So every part of our being, whether it's our spirit, our body, or our soul, are equally important. And, and unfortunately today... Uh, in this world, there's a stigma concerning emotional and mental well-being, and that shouldn't be the case. There shouldn't be a stigma that follows people who deal with emotional and mental problems. And so in this series, we're going to expose some lies, we're going to reveal some truth in God's Word, so we can experience freedom, healing, and transformation in our soul. So today I want to talk to you about depression. The church is, is one of those places where it's real easy for us to come and kind of get our Sunday on, and look like everything's good on the outside. It's all right, but you know, that's, it's, we can't play those games. It's, it's easy to slip into church, play the game, when everything on the inside is messed up. It's kind of like the duck on the water. You see a duck that is just floating on the water, and he looks cool, cool as a cucumber. But on the, on, underneath the water, his, his little legs are just flapping. He's swimming. And I think sometimes that's what we do in church. We, we, we act like everything's okay when it's not. And so we want to remove that stigma so we can reveal truth. God can bring freedom. So here's the first thing I want you to know in this message. It's okay not to be okay. It's okay not to be okay. If you aren't okay, it's okay because nobody here has it all together. What is the difference if we're dealing with the coronavirus and you need healing or you need healing in your mind and your emotions? So we need to remove that stigma and just know it's okay not to be okay and that Jesus can heal us. He can heal us in our mind, our bodies, and our emotions. So mental and emotional health. It's, it's a crisis in our nation. And, uh, you know, just throughout the medical world, you can see prescription medicines uh, for, for emotional issues are just, it's on the increase. And I think some of that has contributed to the lifestyles that we have uh, in our nation. I'm not saying that all mental illness and emotional issues are, are directly attributed to, to lifestyles, but there are some. Let me give you a couple examples. We're way, we're way too connected to our devices. We're more connected to our devices than we are to people. And God didn't design us to be more connected with devices. He, he designed us to, be, to fellowship with Him, to fellowship with one another, to have community. And so these devices, which were supposed to break our lives easier, have, has driven us apart. So here's another contributing factor uh, to the decline of mental health in our nation. And it's people don't know how to deal with pain. And what we try to do is we try to self-medicate with drugs. We'll use alcohol. We'll use food, we'll use sex, we'll binge on Netflix an entire weekend because 
we don't know how to process and deal with pain. And uh, I was looking at some stats and suicide is the number 10 leading cause of death in the United States. And 1.4 million Americans will attempt suicide this year. And this is what's really alarming. Uh, among people that are at the ages 15 to 25, suicide is the leading cause of death. And those, those numbers are just staggering. We have a, a mental health issue in our nation. We have emotional issues that need to be dealt with. And we have to expose lies and speak truth from God's Word. So today, what we're going to do is we're going to go to the Bible. And we're going to look at a story in God's Word that, that perfectly describes a story of a person who is on these really high highs. And they crash down to these really low lows. And we read about this in 1 Kings chapter 18. And it's the story of Elijah. And Elijah has this challenge with the prophets of Baal. And he calls on them to see whose God is the real God. And they have this spiritual duel that takes place. The prophets of Baal uh, would offer a sacrifice to Baal. And, and Elijah would offer his sacrifice to Jehovah. And whoever answered by fire would prove himself as God. So the prophets of Baal, we know, do everything in their power to get Baal to move on their behalf. And they go into a frenzy and nothing happens. Nothing, nothing takes place. But Elijah, I love the way he responds. Elijah repairs the altar first. He arranges the wood. He puts the sacrifice upon the wood. Uh, he lays, lays it on the altar and he orders that the sacrifice be doused with water. So there's no way for the sacrifice to burn in the natural. And Elijah prays, God answers with consuming fire. He consumes the wood, the sacrifice, the water, the whole business. It's all gone. And as a result, the prophets of Baal are put to the sword. And there's a mighty victory for, for God that day. There's a mighty victory. Jehovah God has proven to be God. And it's an incredible spiritual high that Elijah is dealing with. And he, he comes, and this should, be, this should be a warning for us, that often we'll have these really high highs and we crash to these lows. So when we have a high, we have to be careful that we don't crash into a low, but they often happen naturally. So look at what happens on the heels of this great victory, on this great spiritual high. Uh, we read this in 1 Kings 19, and it'll be verses 1 through 4. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah, and just, I love the way that this is written. May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your, make your life like one of them, meaning one of the prophets, the, the prophets of Baal that were, were taken by the sword. Verse 3, Elijah was afraid, and he ran for his life. When he, became, when he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there, and that's important. He left his servant there. He was afraid. He was running for his life, and he left his servant. And while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, he came to a broom bush, sat under it, and he prayed that he might die. You can see him crashing here at this point. I've had enough, Lord, he says. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. There's four things I want you to see in this, this text. There's four things that will help us to un understand depression. And, and number one is this, stinking thinking. Stinking thinking. Elijah allowed stinking thinking into his being. And I believe that, that this is one of the, the roots for depression or, or many uh, mental and emotional issues in, in our world. And uh, I know there are, there are issues that we deal with mentally 
and there are issues we deal with emotionally that could be because there are chemical imbalances, and some people need medication, and I'm not downing that. Some people need divine healing. But I'm talking about there's times we can get ourselves into a funk just because we've allowed ourselves to get into a dark place, and it's not good to be in a dark place and get stuck there. I think that's what a lot of depression is, that there will be people that, that get on depression medication. They're not on it for the rest of their lives. It's just because they're going through a season. And I think we can avoid those seasons if we keep stinking thinking out of our minds. So what, what is stinking thinking? It's self-talk. And I'm sure that all of us get to this place where we have a little conversation with ourselves. And we believe that things aren't true. We'll believe lies. We'll, we'll, we'll conjure these things up in our minds. We think they're true when in reality they're not. And what we'll do is we'll think on things that aren't true, we'll, we'll dwell on them, we'll chew on them, and then what we'll do is we'll swallow them, and then we'll, for lack of a better example, we regurgitate it back up, we'll chew it on it some more, and we rehearse the negative over and over and over. And we're just, st that's thinking, thinking. That's what it is, that's what it's all about. And so what can we do to avoid stinking thinking? Let's meditate on God's Word. Look at Philippians 4, verses 8 and 9. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things have a good report, if there's any virtue and if there's anything praiseworthy, look at this, meditate on these things. Meditate, think about them. You know, there's so much negative news uh, uh, just things that are happening in the world. It's easy for us to meditate on, on things that are going wrong. When we, when we need to do is really get our minds focused on what God's Word says. Meditate on these things. Verse 9, the things which you have learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. When we think on God's Word, when we meditate on the things of God, we reverse that whole stinking thinking. And God gives us peace. When we reverse the order, think on the goodness of God, we experience peace. So our situation may be stinky. There's, there's some things you just can't help. They just happen. Life occurs. But when we meditate on God's word, our perspective will be different and we'll have peace. Here's the second thing we'll see with Elijah. He's in his lowest of lows. He's went from his highest to highest. He's Christ to his lowest of lows. He's, he's in depression. And Elijah does this. He isolates himself. He, he left his servant. He went a day's uh, journey further. He goes alone. That's, that's a bad thing to isolate ourselves, to be in isolation. And some of us are, are very lonely. You say, well, I'm around people all day long. No. You, listen, you, can have, you can be around people all day long and still be lonely. So some of us, we can be around people, but up here and in here, we're all alone with our thoughts. We're all alone with our emotions. And this is what I'm learning about myself that I'm the last person that I need to take advice from. I'm the last person that I need to take advice from. And here's why, because I can't trust myself. I can't trust my emotions because my emotions aren't always, it's what I feel, but it's not always true. So I'm the last person I should be talking to sometimes. And when we get into a place where we're alone, we're isolated, and we're in a bad place, we begin to do that self-talk. We believe things that aren't true. We get isolated with those thoughts. And we just go deeper and darker, and it's a dangerous place to be because you can get stuck in a rut, and a rut, in a rut there is no life. So we have, uh, we have some things that I think help us at our church, and we really need to expand on this and build upon it. But I believe that small groups are so important for a church because it helps you to get plugged in. It helps you to, to plug in with one another, to get into 
a group of people that you can share things with. You don't have to be isolated. And a small group can help you from, from that self-isolation, to get alone with your thoughts. And, and I know it's important for us to get our thoughts together sometimes, but you can't get isolated in those thoughts. We always need someone other than ourselves speaking into our lives. And uh, I have a group of pastor friends I meet with on a weekly basis, guys that I can just share my heart with, guys that I can, I can tell them what's going on, and they have the permission to speak into me. I don't have to like it, but they have that ability and I'm going to receive it because I know they love me and, and I know I can trust them. So I don't know how many times they've spoken into my life and they've saved my bacon. So I'm just saying this, you must have someone in your life who knows your secrets because if you're the only person who knows your secrets, you're in big trouble. You're in, you're in a huge amount of trouble. You don't even see it. You don't even notice it. And so if you don't, if you don't tell somebody your secrets... Listen, Satan will exploit that. He will exploit that. He will exploit your isolation. So you have to be careful. Don't get isolated in your thoughts and your feelings. Isolation leads, it leads to a lot of emotional and mental instability. So here's what I've discovered. When I'm transparent with people, <laughs> I find out that there are, a lot, there are people that are more messed up than I am. And I'm not getting joy out of that. It just makes me feel comfortable that I'm not the only one messed up. So, you know, it's liberating to know that we have other people, pastors, I have pastor friends, they, they are more messed up than me. And I, again, I don't take pleasure in that. I'm just grateful that I'm not alone. So when, when we get together, and it, it's not a pity party, but we can get together, find out, be, be transparent with one another. We can then encourage one another as the Word of God uh, just, just encourages us to do. And when we can take off that mask and we expose lies and we can be honest with ourselves and, and be honest with others, we can find real freedom. So Ecclesiastes 4.12, and this is a slightly different version than what I'd normally use, but boy, it just says it so well. It says, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated. When, when you're standing alone, you can be attacked and defeated. But two can stand back to back, and look at this, they conquer, they can conquer. Three are better, for a triple-braided cord is not easily broken. You know, we all need somebody who's got our backs. Someone who can help us to conquer. And, and listen, this is even better. Three is even better. Three is a group. Three is a group. That's why we need to be connected in smaller groups. I know this, this whole virus thing is not good, and it's not good for the economy. It's not good for our stability in our nation. But maybe it will cause us to pause and just think that yeah, coming to church is important. Uh, coming together in a, in a congregation setting is important. But maybe, just maybe, we need to break back down into groups like they did in the book of Acts. It's something biblical where we can really connect with each other, know people has our back, and that we can conquer together. Here's the third thing we see in Elijah's uh, lowest of lows. He was led by his feelings. Listen, people who, who build their marriages on feelings are people that will, their marriage will not withstand time. Uh, it will not, you know, what happens when the chocolates and the roses aren't working anymore? Because you have to build a marriage on commitment and love. So feelings are just like they're waves. They'll, they'll crash in and then they'll roll out. You can't live according to your emotions. So you can't be led by your emotions. You must be led by the Spirit of God. You must be led by the Word of God. And, and we have to understand that our emotions, our feelings can lie to us. But God's word is always true. So we got to trust and rely on God's word. And our feelings can go from moment to moment. And we can live on that roller coaster ride. And if we continue to live by our emotions, we're up and down. It will wear you out. 
And that's, that's what we see in Elijah. So here's the fourth thing we see when, he, when he's in his lowest of lows. Number four is comparison. And you remember this. Elijah said this in 1 Kings 19.4. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. I'm no better than my ancestors. We, we can't compare ourselves to other people. Let me, let me just say this. Social media... Social, stop comparing ourselves to other people on social media. See, you can, be, you can do this. You can be in a very low place because when you get down, you get depressed, you start to, you know, just you're spending more time on social media. You're scrolling through, you're looking at everybody's, and you find somebody that's on their highest of high. They're having the best day of their life, and you're at the lowest point, and you begin to compare yourself to that person, and that's just not wise. See, nobody posts their bad hair days. Nobody posts their dirty kitchens. They do their kitchen remodels, but they don't post their dirty kitchen with dishes all over the place. So nobody's life is as good as it appears on social media. So we have one person we need to please, and that's Jesus. And if you can get that truth into your spirit and live by it, it will change your life. It will keep you from, from depressing. So look at uh, Galatians 1.10. And this is Paul. Look what he writes. And I'm now try, am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. So we can't, we can't compare ourselves to other people. God, God is not concerned how we look. He doesn't grade us on the curve. God looks at us at, as individuals. So we can't compare ourselves to one another. Let's go back and look at what happens to Elijah, when he's in his very low time, he's made this journey. He's isolated. Check this out. First Kings. Let's look through uh, chapter 19, verses five and six. Then he lay down under a bush and fell asleep. And all at once, an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was some, some bread baked over hot coals. Boy, bread and some butter be good right now. But a jar of water and a jar of water. And look at this, and he ate and drank, and then he laid down again. Now, that's the verse for the day. See, you, you go take a nap, go home, take a nap. You get up, you eat, and then you go back and take a nap again. I don't know, I think that's a word from God, so I'm just saying. But Elijah, that, Elijah was just worn out. That's what was taking, he's just, he's at his lowest of lows. And I'm telling you this, when you're at your lowest of lows, you'll be very tired. And, and Americans, and hear me, please, Americans, we don't Sabbath well. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach right to myself now because I am a poor example of Sabbath. So I don't Sabbath, and it's a violation of the commandment. And you say, well, that sounds like law. It's not law, it's life. It's, it's not the letter of the law. We're not, we're not setting by aside a certain day that you have to worship on. You have to do this. We're saying the spirit of the law, which is rest. That's the spirit of, of the commandment. It's rest. God rested, so why don't we rest? See, if, if going to church on Sunday for two hours is what you consider rest, Sabbath, it's not Sabbath unless you give the whole day to God. See, that's the spirit of the law. That's not, that's not legalism. That's life. It's life. God wants us to rest for a purpose because here's why. We get tired, and we get tired, we get worn out, and we can get into depression. And all I'm saying is this, that it doesn't have to be a Sunday. It just has to be a day where we say, I'm going to rest. Rest meaning, in God's words, cease from activity. So you can take a nap, go get something to eat, and take a nap again, and you're, you're in line with God's word. 
So that's not law, that's life. And some of us, some of us, we get, we get so depressed and emotionally worn out because we need rest. So let me ask you this, where in your schedule do you have time to do nothing? And I'm preaching to myself right now. If you have kids that are active in sports, you live a very frenzied life. And most likely you're not resting. And too many of us are breaking this principle in God's word. We're getting wore down. And what it does, it just puts us emotionally, we just, we lose all of our strength. Everything's just poured out of us. And it's not good for our mental health and our emotional well-being. Remember, the work of God is not just a spiritual work. The work of God is body, soul, spirit. And our soul is our mind, our will, and our emotions. So if we're wearing ourselves out and God's trying to transform us, there's this fight, this battle is taking place. We've got to be very careful. Let's go back to the story in 1 Kings, chapter 19, verses 7 and 9. And the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him. And he said, get up and eat. I like this guy. I like this. For the journey is too much for you. He knows he's not going to make it. He's, he's, he needs to rest some more. He's not going to make this journey. So he got up and ate and drank, strengthened by the food. He traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he, meets, he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. Verse 9, he went into a cave and spent the night. And the angel of God, he, he ministers to Elijah, touches him, tells him to rest because you're not going to make it unless you rest. You're not, going to, you're not going to complete the journey. I've got a task. And you're not going to make it unless you rest. See, some of us need God to touch us, and we need to experience rest, or we're not going to make the journey. We're just not going to make it. And you say, Pastor, I don't have time to rest. And here's what happens. If, if you don't rest, then, then life will put you on your back, and you might experience something called a cardiac arrest. All right? So I'm just saying... Elijah makes it to Mount Horeb. He gets inside to the cave and he's there and, and God begins to reveal his power to him. And we know the story. First is the earthquake, then a fire, and then a mighty wind. But God speaks to Elijah in that still small voice. Thank God for his power, what he can do, what he can display. But this is what he needed. The prophet needed to hear from God. He needed refreshing from God. He needed that still, that still small voice speaking to him, refreshing him. See, when everything says, and this is just me personally, when everything in me says, go, 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 don't rest till you get to heaven, work, work then begins to bleed over into Sabbath, and before you know it, 30 days later, you've not taken a day off, and you crash and you burn. And I've done that too many times. And just work yourself hard without adequate rest. And what happens is you're weaker spiritually, you're tired mentally, and you're just emotionally drained and just numb. So I want to share with you four more things, four more things from this encounter that will help us to, to break out of depression or avoid depression. And number one is this, that I'm finding out how important this is. The older I get, I understand that how important it is to be physically healthy, to be healthy. And I know this, when I'm eating right, I feel better. When I'm exercising, I feel better. I know it's a curse word, that E word, but I'm more effective when I'm eating right and, and I'm exercising, I sleep better. So I, I don't want to trivialize this pandemic, but maybe with some of the time that we have, some of us have some extra time now, maybe we should take this as an opportunity to make some changes in our life, to, to walk, to exercise, to eat right, and to get rest. Look at Psalms 127 too. In vain you rise up early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat. For he, for God grants sleep to those he loves. 
What's the psalmist saying? Some of us are just too busy, and it's in vain. It's in vain. God's word is clear. God gives us rest, but we can't toil. We can't work for rest. Sometimes we get so busy for God that we get too busy for God. And that's not right. It's a violation of his word. It will send us crashing emotionally and mentally. God ordains rest, and we need rest. Take care of his temple. Number two, pour yourself out to God. See, Elijah got into that cave, and he began to pour himself out to God. And it's okay to pour out your junk before God. He's all right with it. He cares. Look at this, verse 14. He replied, this is Elijah, I've been zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, tore down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. And look at this, I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. This wasn't true. A lot of what, a lot of what Elijah was saying was not true. But God's okay with that. God, God wants us to pour our heart out to him. And he, he pours his heart out. God corrects him later. But see, God, God is big enough he can handle our mess. God is big enough that he can handle our thoughts and our feelings. Look what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 and 29. Come to me. Come, pour it out to me, all you who are weary and burdened, emotionally, mentally. Look, I will give you rest. See, our, our spirit, our soul needs rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, your soul, your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions. Jesus pleads with us to come and pour ourselves out before him so that he can take our burdens and give us rest. Number three, Elijah experienced both the power and the presence of God. Elijah experienced the, the earthquake, the fire, the wind. Just earth, wind, and fire. I just thought of that. I couldn't help it. But earth, wind, and fire. But all of us need to experience the power of God. But like Elijah, we need to experience the presence of God. We need his presence, his, his still small voice that refreshes us. So let me ask you this. When, when and where do you turn down the world's volume and experience his presence? I know church is a good place. And boy, I miss being here together as a church family. But this is the reality of it. What if we couldn't meet together and we had to meet in smaller groups or we had to meet in a place with God by ourselves? Would that be such a bad thing? I'm just saying we need to have a place where we experience God on a daily basis. That we don't have to wait till the Sunday and Wednesday when church is open, but we can experience him daily where we turn down life's volume and we get along with him and hear his voice. Look at this. Psalms 46:10. Be still and know that I am God. Be still, comma, and know that I am God. Be still, and you'll, you'll know his peace. I, I think it all hinges on being still. And as Pentecostals, we, we sometimes, are, we don't like that silence. We don't like that stillness. But that stillness hinges, it, that peace hinges on that stillness. So where, where are we getting alone and spending time with God? Number four, God, allow God to give you a new purpose and direction. Allow God to give you a purpose and direction. See, God told Elijah, I'm, I'm done. Or God told you, I'm not, God told Elijah, I'm not done with you yet. Elijah thinks he's done, he's over. But God speaks to him and says, I have purpose for you. God told Elijah to go and, and anoint some kings and, and then you need to raise up a mentor. And that mentor would be Elisha, a prophet. 
So God breathed new life into Elijah, gave him a new purpose and new direction for his life. And, and sometimes when we, we get drained and we get to a nasty place, we get into the molly grubs and we get focused on ourselves and we lose sight of our purpose. And our purpose, when we're trying to survive, is just try to keep everything together for ourselves and we lose the bigger picture. Depression and, and emotional distress will, will put you into survival mode and you miss the big picture. So don't settle with surviving, settle on thriving. It's so important that we do that. When you get a hold of that purpose and, and direction in your life, it facilitates life. God pours life into you so that you can pour out. And, and we can have peace when there's things that are very distressful. So it's so important we, we don't get into a bad, bad place, miss our purpose. But, but when you allow God to speak into you, minister, give you new purpose and new direction, it brings life to you. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Verses 16 through 18. This is Paul again. He says that, Therefore, do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. Paul's ministry, if you know it, just is filled with trials. It's, it's filled with hardships. It's filled with turmoil. And, and turmoil most of us will never know and experience ourselves. But through it all, he says, he was being renewed Day by day. And you say, how? how? How could that be? He was under such distress, just living in a stressful situation. Look at this. Verse 17. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. In other words, what I'm going through is not easy, but it's not my focus. My focus is on something. I know my mission. I know my calling. I know my purpose. I know the direction I'm supposed to be going. I know there's an eternal reward, so I don't get focused on what's going wrong. Because if you get focused on what's going wrong, that's when you fall into a depression. That's when you can talk yourself into a mess. And that's when people begin to lose focus of their purpose. Verse 18, so we fix our eyes not on what uh, is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, what's important for us to get in our spirit, these things are temporary. But what is unseen is eternal. Paul doesn't fix his eyes on his problems. He fixes his eyes on his purpose. So this world will steal life from you if you let it. If you allow yourself to get into a bad place, it will steal your purpose. It will steal your vision. And you'll go into survival mode. You'll miss everything God wants to bring and deliver to you and through you. So it's important that you keep your eyes focused on the eternal. When we're rested, when we're rejuvenated, and we know our purpose, we know God's plans for us, we have a very healthy perspective. Life flows in us and life will flow out of us. This past summer, I found myself just kind of hitting a wall, just personally. I was hitting a wall spiritually, emotionally, and mentally. I, I just be honest with you, I didn't think I had it in me to pastor this church any further. I felt like maybe, maybe I was done. I took it as far as I could and someone else needed to, to pastor here. And before I, I quit, before I did anything... I did something that, and I can't claim, I can't claim this, I happened into it by accident. But before I quit, I talked to someone, and I gave them per permission to speak into my life, some, some wise counsel. And here was the counsel, take three weeks off. For me, that just doesn't make any sense. Because my, my heart is to work, to continue to press on, to press through it. To, 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 you can't do that. If you, if you stay still, if you rest, you're going to die. That's my perspective, but it's a lie. It was a lie, something I believe. So never in my adult life have I ever taken more than a week off. And so 
for me, it was, it was hard and not having a vacation, a real vacation for, for a number of years where I could just rest and hear from God. I, I just hadn't taken it. But, but what I did, I took three weeks off and I rested and slowly I could, I could begin to hear God the way I should. I, I had better command of my thoughts. I didn't feel so drained emotionally. I could feel life just kind of flowing back into me. You know, just reaching areas I didn't, hadn't felt in a long time. My vision was renewed. I'm just saying this, that we can get so emotionally drained that we're, and we continue to spin our wheels and we're going to become less and less effective until we finally just crash and burn. And I think a lot of depression issues are, are based on that. We just crash and we burn. And, and I want you to avoid that. So many of us, we need rest. We need rest and want to pray for you this morning. And some of you need to experience healing. We want to pray for you this morning. Some of you may need to make a commitment to live more biblically, to, to live by the pattern of God's word that emotionally and mentally you don't burn out. So you need to commit to a lifestyle that will better facilitate life. We want to pray with you. And before we address those issues and pray, I just have one last question for you. And this is the most important question. Has Jesus become Lord of your life? Are, are you born again? Are you a new creation? I don't care if, if you said the prayer and you've signed the card, you shook the preacher's hand. That's, that's not what about. Did Jesus come into your life? Did the Holy Spirit enter you, make you a new person? And then has he given you life? Are you walking in that newness of life? Are you born again? It's the most important question you need to answer before we close here this morning. I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to this broadcast of Life in the Spirit. I hope this message was a blessing to you. If you are looking for a church home, I want to encourage you to come and worship with us on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. or join us Wednesday evening at 7 p.m. for our family night. We have ministry opportunities for all ages, children, youth, and adults. Holt Assembly of God is located at 543rd Avenue in Holt, Florida. If you'd like to find out more information about our church, you can find us on the web at www.holtag.org or you can find us on Facebook or Instagram. Our phone number is 850-537-8351. Until our next broadcast of Life in the Spirit, may God bless you as you serve the Lord Jesus with a grateful heart.